I want to just give a little bit of review of what we've been talking about for the last six weeks to remind you, and in case uh, some of you have not been here before, as to uh, what we've been uh, referring to. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom, the kingdom that is to come. And the reason why he talks a lot about it is because Jesus is the king of this kingdom. Now, uh, several weeks ago when we began this series, we looked at Luke chapter uh, 7. And we uh, we looked at the fact that uh, Jesus says, you know, the kingdom has already come in in ways. And the way that Jesus' kingdom has come is it is in, invisible. It's not an earthly kingdom yet, but it is the reign of Christ in our hearts as we surrender our lives to him. And, uh, and so Jesus said that, uh, the G- that uh, he's inaugurated the kingdom, but uh, the kingdom is not yet fully consummated because that doesn't happen until Jesus returns and sets up his physical kingdom on earth uh, forever and ever and ever. So we are in this between stage of Jesus having come the first time, but Jesus hasn't come the second time yet. But Jesus reigns in the hearts and lives of his followers. Then we looked at um, the following week, Mark chapter 13, on uh, the fact that this, uh, this kingdom, this salvation that we receive in Christ, it is a treasure. It is a treasure that is worth our everything. And so we looked at the pearl of great price and the treasure in the field. And and uh, when people came across this, they liquidated everything to acquire this uh, treasure. And that doesn't mean that we buy our salvation, but... Uh, but what Jesus is emphasizing here is that when we come into uh, salvation, when we understand what salvation is, uh, it has done in our hearts and our lives and all that Christ has done for us, you know what? We want to give our everything, our all to, to this treasure. <clears throat> and then, uh, finally, uh, and then Matthew chapter six, uh, while we're in this in-between stage, while we're waiting for Jesus to return, uh, Jesus says, hey, don't worry. Don't be caught up in the cares of this world. Jesus talks about the fact that uh, we need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And when he is the priority of our life, you know, all these other things that uh, consume our minds and hearts, they'll fall into place. But seeking first Jesus' kingdom is to be the priority of our life. <clears throat> and then uh, we looked at Matthew chapter 6 and uh, Jesus' prayer as he was, uh, as he was um, uh, being a model example to his disciples on how to pray. Jesus prays, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so while we're waiting for Christ to return, uh, Jesus hasn't left us to kind of figure out this Christian life on our own. Uh, he's given us an instruction manual. And he has shown us what his will for our life is. 
And uh, people are want to know what God's will for their life is. But when it comes to God's will, typically uh, they're interested in knowing God's will as far as the career path that they need to choose or the person that they're to spend the rest of their life with in marriage or uh, the location where, where they're to move move to. These are the things that they want to know God's will for their life. And we looked at the fact that um, Jesus wants to give us the desires of our heart. And when we make our desires his desires, when we're focusing on God's uh, revealed will from his word, as we are living out his revealed will for our lives personally, then his desires, his will for our life becomes our desires for our life. And then when it comes to those multiple choice uh, options that we have as to what, what we should do in life, you know what? The, the options are limitless in God's will. God gives us choices. God wants to give us the desire of our heart. And when we, our desire matches his desire in his revealed will, guess what? We can choose based upon the desires of our heart because he wants to give us the desires of our heart. But the priority is wanting to obey God's revealed will for our life. So we looked at God's will. And then in Matthew chapter 7, when it comes to the kingdom, uh, Jesus shows us in Matthew chapter 7 that not all roads lead to heaven. You know, we live in a day and age where uh, false prophets and teachers want to convince people that uh, it doesn't matter what road you you take, as long as you're sincere in your heart, uh, that road is going to lead, us, lead you to God. And it's very popular not to um, preach hell today. You know, we all want to hear about heaven, but we don't want to hear about hell. Jesus says there are consequences for rejecting the truth. And not every road leads to God the Father in heaven. Jesus says there's only one door. And Jesus is the door. And that door is very narrow. That way is very hard. And you must take that um, that uh, direction through Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. So the gospel isn't about universalism. Not everybody is saved. When Jesus died on a cross, not everybody uh, came into Christ. Those who are in Christ are those who have surrendered their lives to him by faith through God's grace. So not all roads lead to heaven. Jesus says, not many will say to me, Lord, Lord, who will not enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will 
of my father. And then last week we looked at um, Luke chapter 19 and the fact that uh, when, when Jesus talked about the nobleman who went away to receive his, his kingdom. And as he went away, he gave all of his servants a mina, okay, an equal amount of money. And uh, this uh, mina is different from the the uh, parable of the talents in uh, Luke in 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 the book of Matthew. Uh, this mina rec- represented three months of income, and everybody got the same amount. And uh, the mina represented the gospel, like I talked about with the children this morning. And God wants us to take the gospel, that precious truth that we've received, and not hide it, not keep it to ourselves, but we need to invest it in the lives of others. Let people know how much God loves them. And there was one servant who, uh, two of the servants, um, they were faithful, they were obedient, and, and uh, the nobleman rewarded them. But there was one servant who uh, was uh, just hid it away in a handkerchief. And when he, when he gave it back to uh, the nobleman, nobleman when he returned, uh, the nobleman was, um, was uh, uh, very disappointed, to say the least, in that servant and described him as a wicked servant. And he lost that mina and he gave it to uh, somebody else and and those who totally rejected the nobleman don't didn't want the nobleman to be their king uh, Jesus describes their outcome as um, it well it didn't go well for them to say the least so that's where we've been in the kingdom series and uh, this morning uh, we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 18 and this is our mascot. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you're thinking, why is this goldfish up here uh, in the service? And uh, this is our mascot, Glitter Gills, still 2.0. He's doing really good. He's got one more week of survival before we uh, pass it off him off to somebody else. And uh, But this is Glitter Gills. And, uh, you know, there, there's one... There's, there is a, re- when it comes to this example of, um, of our lives being in Christ, this, this illustration or the, this role model, our mascot falls a little short here. Because, you know, this, this goldfish is kind of living its life in isolation. Uh, glitter gills is not connecting with the, the world uh, out there. I mean, he's just swimming in this environment. And Jesus prayed a prayer in John chapter 17. Uh, Jesus prayed that as his disciples, that we are not to be in, the, we're to be in the world, but not of it. You know, when Jesus uh, went back to heaven and before he returns again, uh, Jesus doesn't want us to live our lives in isolation here. He wants us to interact with a lost world. But, uh, you know, for Glitter Gills to do that, he's kind of have to come out of the water, isn't he? I mean, uh, there's a lot, of, lot going on on the outside. But if he lives his life on the outside out here, 
inter- interacts with lost people, it's not going to go well for him, is it? He's going to die. So uh, I was watching this um, very in-depth uh, theological show uh, the other day called SpongeBob. And there's two characters on SpongeBob in SpongeBob that uh, reflect what I'm trying to say. Uh, the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Bob. Do we have their picture up here? Is it Barnacle Bob? Boy. Boy Barnacle Boy. He's on the right, and Mermaid Man is on the left. Okay? These are two guys that, these are humans, and they live their life underwater. Now, Barnacle Boy can live his life underwater as a human because apparently he ate a bunch of barnacles at one time. And so he's able to I get the oxygen that he needs to live underwater with uh, SpongeBob and, and Patrick. But then there's Mermaid Man on the left. And the Mermaid Man has this starfish stuck to his nose. And as long as he has that starfish tucked uh Attached to his nose, he's able to breathe underwater as well. And uh, I thought, you know, that's a that's a great picture of us getting out of the water uh, and interacting with a lost world. And uh, for Christians, when our life is hidden in Christ, you know, our life in Christ allows us to be out here in this environment and live among lost people and share with them and show them the love of Christ. And that's what God wants us to do. So that's where our mascot falls short. He doesn't want us to just live our life in isolation. He wants us to be out here. Does that make sense? Now, what does that look like? How do we do that? That's our parable that we're looking at this morning. The key word in our parable this morning is going to be the word forgiveness. And uh, we're looking at forgiveness. We're looking at grace. We're looking at compassion. And as these words characterize our lives, as we live out in this environment with other people, our lives are going to be attractive to others. Our lives will draw people or reflect Christ and draw people's attention to Christ. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Matthew chapter 18 this morning. And we're going to read verses 21 through 37. Quickly. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seven times, seventy, seven, but seven times, I, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven, seventy-seven times. 
That's a lot of times of forgiveness, okay? Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servants as I, servant as I had on mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you who do not forgive your brother from your heart. Three words I want to reflect on this morning in this parable that Jesus shares with us. The first is grace. If you and I are going to be in the world but not of the world, we need to reflect the character and nature of our Father, of of King Jesus. And in this parable, Jesus describes himself as a God of grace. I want you to notice first in this parable that it was the king. It was the king in verse 23 that initiated this um, this reconciliation of this debt. This servant had done nothing to deserve the forgiveness of their debt. It was totally on the king's part. And understand the amount of this debt. This debt was astronomical. In today's terms, in today's economy, the amount of debt the servant owed the king was $6 billion. There is no way under heaven, heavens, under God's green earth that the servant was going to be able to repay this debt. He thinks he he can. He he pleads for mercy and time to to plead to, to 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 take care of this debt to erase this debt. But there's no way. I want you to think about six billion dollars for a moment. I mean, this man's spending 
was incredibly out of control. I mean, he was totally focused on himself and his own desires, his, his own fleshly greed. That's what characterized this servant. I mean, there was a incalculable evil on this man's part. And yet here we see a king who is full of grace. He, he initiates the conversation that the debt might be reconciled. And it's all because it comes from the goodness of his heart. That's grace. This man didn't deserve it. This man wasn't looking for it. But when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our forgiveness, Jesus is, in this passage of scripture, is saying, it is God, the one who initiates it. It is God who is showing grace. And if we're going to be like mermaid men, man or barnacle boy and get outside this fishbowl and be uh, in the world but not of the world, we need to be people of grace. Just like our Heavenly Father. Not only do we need to be full of grace, but we need to be full of compassion. Matthew chapter 18, verse 27. Well, look at verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patient, patience with me, and I will pay you everything. There was no way he was going to be able to make up $6 billion. Verse 27 says, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Out of pity for him. The king had compassion for the servant who would never be able to pay pay off his debt. Folks, we need to be people of compassion. We need to be looking at people around us who need encouragement, who who need a hand, who need a friend. We, sh- we should be on the front line. Students at uh, Burroughs, you know, what, what kind of difference could you make at uh, your school if you had a club? We, we dine uh, together. Uh, what a... What a tremendous testimony that would be. And our lives, our compassion, our grace would be pointing people, pointing people to Jesus. And may they glorify him as they see our good work. So grace, compassion. And then finally, we see the word forgiveness in this, uh, in our text this morning. God wants us to be people who forgive, that don't hold a grudge. You know, 
forgiveness is a nice subject to talk about until you have to apply it. You know, we, we like to talk about when we don't have anybody to forgive. But when we have somebody to forgive, that's when the rubber meets the road. And God wants us to be forgivers, and that is so hard. The reason why it's so hard is because it's not natural. You know, it's not natural in our flesh. This is something that uh, has to be supernatural that the Holy Spirit enables us to do. And that's why it's so hard, because it's not natural. And, and forgiveness doesn't sound fair. It's not fair. We We want justice when somebody offends us. But Jesus in this this parable this morning is telling us as his followers that there is no room for unforgiveness. Our lives must emphasize forgiveness. Our lives must be be all about forgiveness. And why? Because when we forgive, we truly understand what it means for God to have forgiven us. Because church, we are that servant who had a debt of six billion dollars. When we came into a relationship with Christ, we had a debt that you and I were never, ever going to repay. And it was all because of the, of, of the grace and the compassion of the king that God forgave us of our sin. And when we truly understand that, we are going to be people who forgive. This servant, he didn't get it. He left the king's presence and he came across the serv- a servant who owed him 10 bucks. And he didn't show the same mercy that was shown him just a brief second before. And he had that servant who owed him 10 bucks thrown into prison, showing no mercy. And Jesus is saying, as his followers, we need to be showing the same kind of forgiveness, the same grace, the same mercy that has been extended to us. Do we forgive because we want to be annoying or morally superior to those who have hurt us, who have offended us? No. We want to forgive because of all that Christ has done for us. We don't, we don't forgive so that we can earn our salvation. So, you know, that our salvation is some sort of 
uh, exchange system. As we forgive, we will be forgiven. No, we forgive because we are so consumed by all that God has done for us in erasing the debt. And when we have something to forgive and we choose to forgive, guess what? We are being an example. We're being a testimony to others that we get it. We understand what God has done in our life. And if we don't, like she said in the story, if we, if, if we don't forgive, if we hold on to the bitter, bitterness, guess what? We're only making our our own lives miserable. We might think we're, you know, sending a message to somebody else and, and, and punishing them for what they've done, but you're only punishing yourself. In our parable, Jesus describes the, the person who was unwilling to forgive. The king threw him into prison. turned him over to the torturers. Who are the torturers when you choose not to forgive? The torturers are the attitude of anger, bitterness, malice. You develop ulcers. You stay awake at night under stress, uh, thinking about consumed with, at the wrong that that person has done to you. It just sucks the very life out of your heart and your soul. It's the worst prison in the world. You become a person that you don't want to be. God wants to spare you from that. But in order for you to be released, in order for you to find freedom, you've got to forgive. You've got to let the person go. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Paul says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You've got to let it go. Release them from what you are harboring against them. I like what Lily Tomlin said one time. She said this, forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. You're not going to change the past. The past has already happened. And you holding on to that isn't going to make one difference whatsoever. Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. So what are you holding on to? Corey Tenboom described uh, bitterness or forgiveness this way. 
she talked about uh, a bell in the in in a, in a church in a, a bell that was high up in a steeple. And she talked about the rope and the person uh, responsible for ringing that bell. Uh, that person ringing that bell had to take that rope and they had to pull on it consistently because that that bell was really heavy. But as they continued to pull on it, it would nudge that bell back and forth. And ultimately, it would begin to ring. And that bell would continue to ring as that person holding the rope would just kind of uh, lead it along as it was going, as that bell was going back and forth. But Corey Tinboom says, if you want the bell to stop ringing, if you want to release that person who has hurt you, if you want to forgive this person, you know what? You've got to let go of the rope. And when you let go of the rope, you know what? That bell is going to continue to ring. As you release this person, you're not going to forget what this person has done for you. That's that's going to take time. But as the person has let go of the rope and that bell is on its, on its own, that bell slows down more and more and eventually stops ringing. And that's what will happen in your life as you release this person The sound of that bell will continue for a time, but it will get slower and slower and slower until until it will not ring anymore. Stop torturing yourself. One of the ways that we are in this world, but not of it, Jesus says, through this parable is that we are people of grace, compassion, and forgiveness. You are no more like God than when you choose to let somebody go and stop holding on to a grudge. And when you understand how much God has delivered you from the debt that you owed. You begin to get it when you forget others who offended you. Let's pray. Is there somebody that God has brought to your mind as we've gone through this text this morning? What grudge are you holding on to? You're only torturing yourself. I kind of doubt that what's happened in your life isn't nearly to the extreme that happened in this mom's life who lost her son.
if she can forgive her son's murderer, I think some, I think you can too. But whatever level it's at, you need the Holy Spirit because you can't do this in the flesh. It is totally unnatural. Would you ask God to help you? Go back to the cross. And look at the price Jesus paid for your sin. Nothing else can compare. Jesus, there is nothing else you can do to show how much you love us. How much grace and compassion and forgiveness that you've poured out on our hearts and lives. Lord, help us to be people who reflect this character, this nature, and people who cross our paths. This is a hard topic. It's easy to talk about it in the abstract. But when we have something concrete to forgive, it's one of the hardest things in the world. But God, you understand. And you are there to help. And I pray that you would encourage each person in this service. Lord, if they don't have something to give, forgive right now, they are down the road. May we always go back to the cross. Father, we love you. Thank you for this truth. Set your people free this morning as we apply it to our life. In Jesus' name.